0: Welcome to Crucified. I'm your host, Charlie McQuillan, pastor of GraceWorks Bible Church in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and it is my privilege to bring to you Season 2. Thank you for joining us. To begin this season, we start with an interview that we had with Brandon Smith. Now, Brandon is the associate pastor of Grace Bible Church in Warren, Michigan. He's a good friend and a thoughtful teacher as well, and I, I trust that as you listen to our time together, you'll gain some some good insights into the, what the Scriptures have to say about many social issues and some doctrinal and ministry things as well. So this will probably come out in three parts, and afterwards we will begin our study for Season 2, going through the first eight chapters of the Book of Romans, and I'm, I'm very excited to, to go over that uh, with all of you. So thank you for listening. Uh, enjoy the, the interview and we'll see you on the other side praise the Lord Okay, hey, Brandon, hello everybody. Hello,
1: Charlie.
0: We're here with uh, with Brandon Smith. Uh, he is one of the uh, associate pastors there at Grace Bible Church in Warren, Michigan and he was gracious enough to, to join us. Brandon, thanks for, for doing this and uh, this is going to be a good time. One of the things that I, I ask everybody that, that I interview is I want to hear some things uh, from you that are important to you. And the, one of the things that you had mentioned was the issue of abortion. So recently, we had uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, and I just want, I want to get just to start things off, and uh, we're just going to jump in, you know, heavy. What are your just general thoughts on the decision and, and what you have uh, taken note of?
1: Sure. Well, well, first of all, I would hope that my, my thoughts and my positions are directed and, and subject to the word of God.
0: And yeah, so my,
1: my position is hopefully not being asserted based upon my emotion or what I feel or what I want to be right, but upon an absolute standard uh, that our creator has established. And uh, to be honest, the, the, the ruling is very disheartening. Am I happy that, that Roe is overturned? Yes, but we are still, I think, in the midst of a failed political strategy by the pro-life movement and uh, Republicans have used them over the past 50 years. We've overturned Roe, and now how many babies can be saved? How many babies mm-hmm. are being kept from being executed? None. So I'm, I'm thankful that Roe is overturned because it, it kind of removes an excuse that we have or, or that people have, but abortion is not outlawed. Murdering your children is not outlawed. We can still bring our children before Molech and burn them in the fire, and it's disgusting. And um, it's disheartening. Uh, There was a, I don't know if you recall, I think it was back around 2008, there was a partial birth abortion ruling by the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the Christian, the national Christian leaders came out praising the ruling, saying, oh, they've banned partial birth abortion. And the ruling did no such thing. When you actually read the ruling, what the Supreme Court did is they said, well, we don't want you to kill the baby like this but let us tell you some ways in which you can kill the baby. You can kill the <laughs> baby like this. Right. And they basically gave the, our justices basically gave a manual on how to kill the children. And at the end they gave an out. They said, Hey, if the, if the baby comes through the birth canal too quick and you didn't have it before it came out, then it's okay. You can still kill it. You know, they, mm-hmm. they basically give you that out there. And so what we've had recently in the, the Dobbs decision in the overturning of Roe, is that they've said, well, um, we find nothing in the Constitution that talks about the issue of abortion. We find nothing that would either allow or prohibit it. So we're mm-hmm. just kicking the can back to the states. And uh, I, I, think that that's, uh, I think that that's very unwise. I think it's very unjust. I think it's very immoral that mm-hmm. our Supreme Court can't find it, uh, find it to be just to protect the life of the innocent, and mm-hmm. so am I thankful that Roe is overturned. Yes, um, but I, I, I'm not. You won't find me in the streets uh, jumping up and down and celebrating this ruling that does not protect the children. And uh, and 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 actually, when you read the ruling, and you find what Kavanaugh wrote, and when you find what jo- John Roberts wrote. You find that Kavanaugh and uh, basically said that nobody on this court believes that the unborn child is a person that should be protected by the Constitution. When Roe was decided back in the '70s, the Supreme Court justices were telling the, the the female attorney who was arguing to have abortion legalized, uh, uh, and we know that 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 laws should be made by the legislature, not by the Supreme Court. So Roe was. Bad law to begin with, because Supreme Court doesn't make law, but yeah. the Supreme Court basically said, "Is this a person?" And if we determine that this unborn child is a person, you'd have a pretty difficult argument to make, wouldn't you? And that attorney said, "Oh yes, I would have a most difficult argument to make." And now you fast forward fifty years for what the the, the pro life community their their goal has been to overturn Roe. Their goal has not been to abolish abortion. So that's number one. Your premise is wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you had the wrong goal. So now you've accomplished what you've worked for for 50 years and it does nothing to save the children. So Kavanaugh writes that uh, non- nobody on the Supreme Court believes that the unborn uh, baby is a person be protected by the Constitution. He says, I don't believe that. And nobody on the bench believes that i don't I don't feel very confident that if a court if a case comes before the Supreme Court to say that we should outlaw abortion that the baby is a innocent person that should be protected I don't feel confident that the Supreme Court would uh would rule in that way because they they've come out and said they don't they don't see it that way and we're yeah. not talking about them saying something that they're bound by precedent that they are saying that this is what was done in the past they this was in their uh, concurring opinion where they come out and, um, and say these things. And just one last comment before I stop myself from rambling on is that, uh, is that uh, John Roberts wrote a concurring opinion and in his concurring opinion, he says, we should figure out what that time frame is that a woman should have the right to be able to murder her child. And of course I use different language than they should or than they do, because, you know, why don't we just call murder, murder? And, uh, and John Roberts says, you know, Maybe that time is two months. Maybe that time is three months, and I feel that this, law, is kind of in that right frame. So that's why I agree with it. But John Roberts has basically come out and said he's pro-abortion. He thinks the woman should have two or three months to be able to decide if she wants to keep the child uh, before she kills it. But then at that point in time, we should uh, not do it. So uh, very disheartened by you know some some very unjust and very wicked things uh, that were said in the ruling by the supposed. You know, pro-life camp.
0: Yeah, it goes to show that the Supreme Court is full of political uh, strategists, as
1: yes. much
0: as Congress and the Senate and the executive branch. And so the the issue is there's there's a lack of of biblical an understanding of well, really righteousness is what's lacking and, and justice, and you only get that from from God's Word truly do you believe that there has been a a fundamental misunderstanding and a misstep on the evangelical circles and movement? What are some maybe fundamental flaws in their thinking about this issue that they need to adjust with Scripture? Yeah, well, I mean, the exclusivity
1: of the gospel is an extreme view. So it shouldn't surprise us when we take the stand for, for truth that we find ourselves being labeled as extremists because we actually believe that we have an absolute standard. So yeah, I think that the flawed view is that the position was not based upon God's word. It was not deemed to be a spiritual issue. It was not deemed to be an issue of of, uh, right versus wrong based upon an absolute standard, but it was based upon a a, uh, political calculation. So what, what do we have to do to get rid of abortion and and um, and they've said, well, we have to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, you know what? What did that lead to? Let's look at the failures. I think that the Republican Party has uh, basically taken advantage of the pro-life movement. Uh, Fifty years, used it to get their candidates elected. They've used it to raise a lot of money. And what did they say? Well you know, we will, uh, we will elect Supreme Court justices who are Republican. And that was the hope. Well, it was a majority of Republican Supreme Court justices who ruled on Roe v. Wade. So if it was the same guys who gave us the ruling in the first place, um, what makes you think that they're going to be any more uh, in line with the word of God? So we actually do find ourselves in a situation where Roe is overturned. But I would say we have it overturned and 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 there's no fruit from that. So they've spent 50 years. You ask, what's the problem? Instead of saying that God's word says that the unborn child is a person, and that should not be murdered if they're innocent. The only time that we that we kill a person in scripture and it's justified is if they've committed a capital crime, and God says then they deserve death. But the unborn child in the womb is innocent. They've done nothing to deserve death, and they should be protected. They should be protected in the case of, of rape or incest because the scripture teaches that you don't kill a, a, a child for the sins of the father. And so what we have is uh, we have people who want to love the rapist and kill the baby, right? <laughs> we're not going to hold the rapist, but we're going to, to kill the baby. Uh, right. It should be the the exact opposite. The rapist should be the one who is put to death and we should love the baby and take care of it. So coming back to your question, the failed strategy is not coming from the position of absolute truth and standing for God's word and saying that murder is, uh, is, is wrong because it's contrary to God's word and it's sin and it needs to be abolished. We need to completely get rid of it. Instead, we've made political calculations and you have all of these pro-life politicians who aren't really for abolishing abortion because, hey, abortion is good business for them. It brings mm-hmm. in a lot of money for them. It gets them elected. And so we don't want to do away with, a, with an issue that, that keeps, us, keeps getting us reelected here. And I think that the pro-lifers have, have fell for that and they've been taken advantage of because Christians, for whatever reason, want to feel like they're a part of that political process. Like they yeah. have a seat at the table. And the whole time they're just getting played by the Republican yeah. Party.
0: Yeah, well said. Uh, there's one verse that came to mind, Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Uh, that, that verse, the, the the very principle of that verse is is quite relevant to what we're talking about. You could put your trust in, in man. You could put your trust in the government and you're going to have disappointment. And yeah. really the, the word of God has power and it has, uh, it effectually works in them that believe this is a losing battle ultimately. And if you're going to put your confidence and your trust in a political party or a political movement, you're just going to have disappointment. And in the end, God's not in it. God doesn't That's work right. through uh, through an organization or a a, a a political party or a movement. Uh, he works through his word when it's believed and uh, and applied. So,
1: I guess this if would could, be. The, if I could make a comment there, yeah, you know, please. When you talk about the whole political thing and being compromised, it became evident to me uh, after I graduated high school. I was watching Fox News one night, and it was probably Hannity or one of those you know popular television shows, and uh, they had somebody on talking about what they should do about a particular topic. And I'm not even going to bring up the issue. But the, the game plan was, what do we need to do in order to get elected? And so they spend, yeah. they spend all of their time talking about, what do we need to do to get elected? What position do we need to take to appeal to the most people? The issue in politics is never about what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. And, and that became evident to me. And then you see the Christian compromise. They want to be a part of that political system. And, but the scripture says that we shouldn't do evil that good may come of it. So mm-hmm. poli- politics is all about compromise, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not going to get in there and compromise in the fray. That's, that's why it's very hard for a Christian to be a politician or a Christian to be an attorney.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, we have friends uh, that are, yeah. <laughs> are in the legal field. But I'll tell you, uh, if 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 you were to get their take on uh, on law, now they're the boring kind of lawyers. Okay, they're not uh, they're not representing uh, Johnny Depp or anything like that. Any of that sensational stuff, you know. Yeah, uh, they're kind of boring tax lawyers or some some such thing. But uh, so those those guys are okay. Uh, <laughs> in case he's listening. I don't know, but
1: <laughs> I don't know. We'd have to have some extreme scrutiny there. We'll have to check that out. <laughs> we'll have to do that one. Day.
0: Now, I want to ask you about the church's responsibility or responsibilities as it pertains to engaging the world outside in the matter of, of, of this abortion issue. The, the church's responsibility when it comes to what about these lives that come into the world that that you stood up for? Uh, this is actually one of the arguments that comes up from, from people, antagonists. They say, okay, well. If you're going to if you're going to demand that everybody follows your view on the Bible, are you going to put out money and, and 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 services, and are you going to help with raising these children? What would you look at and see as uh, as your personal responsibility as a ministry to uh, to minister to those either the women that are having the children, or that the children that are are brought into this world? So the first thing I would say
1: is our social issues just social issues is not the the, is not the gospel which we preach does it not affect life you know when we talk about wanting to see soul saved and coming to the knowledge of the truth does not does that not affect people in this world (laughs) um so You you mentioned that we have these these children and somebody needs to speak up for them. What is our responsibility as a church? Well, Proverbs chapter number 31 and verse number 8 says, Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. You know, Paul tells us that we're going to be judging angels. And he, you know, he chides them for not being able to even judge the smallest matters. We need to be able, we need to understand righteousness. We need to judge righteously. And I, I think we need to put some judgment into effect here. You know, I think the, the church has been um, basically handcuffed by this lie that we shouldn't judge. You know, mm. uh, the, 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 the appeal in scripture is not that, that you shouldn't judge. It's that you shouldn't judge as a hypocrite first, remove the plank out of your own eyes. So you can see clearly, then you can judge the other person. It's not to say that the Christian has no business telling somebody when they're in gross, immoral sin, you know, Charlie, if you were doing something that was wrong, if you were doing something that was immoral, you know, um, If you were committing adultery, would it not be loving of me to say, Charlie, you need, this is not right. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You need, you need to stop doing this and, 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 and you need to, you need to, you need to turn away from that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the loving thing to do, but that's judging. I have to judge that what you're doing is wrong before I can even help you. I mean, so, so there, there's a, there's an issue here that we need. The church has been silent and part of it is because I think our adversary, the devil, has made us think that for some reason we can't use our brains as a Christian and we can't look at these items and see when something is wrong and judge somebody because we've got all of these, these euphemisms that you can't judge somebody unless you've walked a mile in their shoes or you're not a woman, you can't say anything on this issue. You know, It's mm-hmm. convenient that they love the fact that Roe v. Wade was decided by a bunch of, of old white men, but then they turn around and say Roe can't be overturned by a bunch of old white men. Yeah, it, you mm-hmm. know Their lie kind of works conveniently. So let's say, let's say you're in Israel, right? And uh, I think that we find some principles from God's word. We know that we live in the dispensation of grace, that Paul's our apostle, the revelation of the mystery committed unto him, and the doctrine therein contained. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we can't find principles from backing Israel's program, right? Um, right. And so there's the issue of the, if, if there's someone who's murdered, Deuteronomy chapter number 21, and they find a dead body out in the wilderness, And it's found, and nobody knows who murdered the body, who murdered the person. God says, "Um, what I want you to do is I want you to measure the distance to the nearest cities. And whichever city is the nearest, I'm going to hold them accountable. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? God's going to hold the city accountable for something. And he says the elders of the city are going to have to come out, and they're going to have to make a sacrifice and they're going to have to testify to the fact and say that our eyes didn't see it. We didn't know that this happened. Our hands did not shed this blood. They, they basically have to testify to the fact that, 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 that their eyes didn't see it. So God holds them accountable. They bear some responsibility, right? And I, I, I do think that there's an issue that we bear some responsibility for the abortion holocaust that goes on in our country. We, it, it happens. We see it happening. We know that it's there, and then we keep our mouth shut. Mm -hmm. And proverbs, But Proverbs says that we should open thy mouth. And so my simple point there, Charlie, is just to say that I don't think that we should be silent on social topics just because, oh, someone's deemed it as a social issue. We are the ones that have the word of truth. We're the ones that know right from wrong. We are the ones that have an absolute standard. We are the ones that should know how a society is to operate. So I, I don't think that we should be silent on social issues. Now, our first responsibility as the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. If we if we forget truth, if we lose truth, there would be no standard upon which to work. Right, mm-hmm. right. And then everything would just be completely subjective. But we have we have an absolute standard, um, and so first we have to understand that our objective there is that we're to be the pillar and ground of the truth. We're not to be some political organization, right? That just moves on to every wind of, 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 of error that comes along. But I do think that the issue of murdering the innocent trumps other societal issues, right? So when you're asking me, what is the role of the church on social issues? I would give you a different response for abortion than I would for, let's say, other other items. Let let me give you an example, right? Like I'm I'm a really big free market guy. I really like the thinking process of Milton Friedman when it comes to economics. I hate socialism. I think it's immoral. I think it ignores facts. I think it's against the word of God. I think it ignores the human mindset. It violates God's command to not steal because the government steals from one person to give another and we have forms of socialism in our government. We have the, uh, our country today, we have uh, Social Security and Medicare, and we have property taxes paying for public schools, right? Charlie, you and I have a few few kids between the two of us. We have a couple, right? right? Yeah. And, uh, and their education is not a right. And our neighbors should not be forced to pay for our children's education through property taxes. That's wrong. That's immoral what our children do have a right to is life. And other members of society, they don't have a right to another person's labor, right? Education is not a right because it forces someone to teach them. That's, that's indentured servitude. And, and yet the left in this country says education is a right, housing is a right, utilities is a right, food is a right, cell phones are a right. So socialism has grave consequences and not just the reduced... Standard of living and reduce freedom, but it 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 leads to starvation and all other issues. But mm-hmm. even in grave circumstances of socialism, people they have options. They can they can do different things. They can find a way to provide food. They can migrate to another country. But however, with the issue of abortion, abortion is murder with malice aforethought. And to me, that that trumps all other societal issues. The the preborn in the womb don't have the ability. To speak up for themselves or to fight back. And so I would rather, as much as I hate socialism and it's like, uh, you know, I would, I would speak out against it. I would rather our country be broke and have a low standard of living, but know that every innocent member of society is protected than to be right on the issue of socialism and a handful of other political issues, but allow abortion to continue. So Mm -hmm. So just to be clear, to me, I think there's a difference between when we're talking about uh, Israel offering their children through the fire to Molech versus, you know, um, maybe uh, Israel doing something else that they shouldn't be doing, politically speaking. And I think same thing for us today. So in the ministry, our our instruction is to preach the word. Right. So Mm -hmm. let's not lose thoughts. Thought of that side of that, and let's 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 keep making that the the main thing. Uh, when it comes to people having a wicked heart and wanting to murder their children, um, the only way to change those people's hearts is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, Amen. So fighting against abortion and telling people that you know murdering their children is wrong, it's an avenue to show people truth. Right, the the law is the schoolmaster to bring men to Christ. But but you need to get, you need to preach the gospel. And so, um, that, that is the main thing, but, but we are ministers of God's truth. And, and when, when, when truth is fallen in the streets, then it's, it's not wrong for us to preach on the practical application of that truth in the streets, if you know Mm -hmm. what I mean. Mm -hmm. So, uh, to me is the, the, you know, you have a pastor in a church and is it only his job to teach the scriptures You know, can they, can they, can they not, is their job only the historical grammatical context, (laughs) you know, it's the, it's the living word of God and who better, who better to speak on moral issues than those that actually have the right moral standards. So we're in a spiritual warfare. We need to engage like we're in a spiritual warfare. I, I, there's, I have another thought on you, you asked, asked the question about, uh, you know taking care of these women which i can answer but i'll i'll give you a chance to respond well
0: that's that's kind of where my my next question or at least i was going to focus part of the the original questions on, on that issue is practically speaking what are what are things that churches can do that can be helpful the the galatians 6:10 for example i believe it's verse 10 let me just double check i don't want to speak out of turn here Galatians chapter 6 and yeah uh, verse 10 as we have therefore opportunity let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of faith and in course in Titus he talks about maintaining good works for these are good and profitable to to men what would this look like practically for a ministry to to help pick up the the pieces obviously the gospel has to be number 1 because nothing else matters if if you know, the rest of the world, you know, going to hell. And so our, our duty and and what we've been entrusted with is, is to preach the gospel. Now you can walk and chew gum, right? You're, 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 you're preaching the gospel. You have a gospel ministry, but, but then out of, out of these opportunities, like you said, we have these opportunities. This is, this is a great opportunity to preach the gospel, but also to demonstrate the life of Christ uh, in the local church. So what are some practical issues or practical ways of uh, of potentially helping families or or, or women that uh, don't know what to do and are struggling and, and don't have a biblical viewpoint. You know, uh, they're kind of left to just uh, the course of this world when it comes to making uh, an abortion uh, decision. So so can you speak to that?
1: Yeah. So first of all, the the local church is made up of individuals, right? So when when you talk about what is the church's responsibility. Um, I I think it's the, it's the, the individuals who could come together and have this mindset and and make a difference. You know, it's, it's been the Christians historically who have been the most generous, right? i I talk about, uh, taking care of people. I mean, you look at all the hospitals that were started, you know, came from, from Christians, basically, at least, you know, historically speaking. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, you know, when it comes to taking care of these women, um, I knew a grace ministry, that had a couple in their church, and uh, you know I think they were retired. But uh, that that couple was outside the local Planned Parenthood abortion mill every hour that it was open, out there telling people that uh, Christ died for their sins, and that uh, that that we that 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 basically don't don't kill your baby, and uh, you know that we'll help you, and uh, we're here we're here to help. So uh, pleading with people, you know, uh, uh, against murdering their children, you know, I, I think that's neat to be out there to to engage the society. They had the ability to do that, right? They had the time to do it and they're out there and they use their time to go and, and, and save children who would otherwise be murdered. And then from the, those interactions, there were women who didn't go through with it and they came back out and told them, you know, hey, we decided not to to kill our child because of what you told us. And uh, could you help us? And, you know, these people would get invited to the child's first birthday party, second birthday party, and, and things like that. And they would go about helping those women, you know, providing the needs, blankets, diapers, things of that nature. But, you know, the thinking is, is the the, the pro-abortion movement wants to say, well, all of these kids are unwanted. We don't want them. So therefore we should kill them. And, uh, you know, Christian position, if there's ever a child that's not wanted, you know, uh, um, we could take care of them. You know, we, we could help. We could step in. Um, but, you know, that's not really what the pro-abortion side wants. Yeah. Um, taking care of the women. Uh, there's, there's people in our church that are partakers in, in ministries that help support, you know, women who uh, need help taking care of their children you know, pro-life ministries that help women who, uh, who are choosing not to have an abortion to help take care of the things that they need. Now, should it be the local church's responsibility, you know, to take up funds and to deal with that? I don't think so. I think that's an individual decision that you make, right? So mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not existing as a local church to use the money that, that you give to support the local ministry to then turn around and give to a pro-life or organization. I'm not saying it would be wrong if we helped those out, when it's needed, but I, I think those are more uh, individual decisions. So um, when you look at the local church, I mean, just preaching on the topic, making that practical application of the truth of God's word, It could be it could be sharing the truth with friends and family that you come into contact with, right? Letting them know that the unborn child is a person, letting them know how prevalent this abortion holocaust is, just having a knowledge of God's word to be able to speak truth. I mean, that, that's how that's that's how it spreads. Right. Like like Paul tells us that he, he talks to Timothy that we should be able to to be able to teach others who then they can teach others who then they can teach others. Right. The mm. same thing happens with truth. If we share truth with other people and then they know right from wrong, that begins to shape the, the conversation in the public sk- square. But I think we as Christians, we just don't know our Bibles well enough to be able to speak to these issues. And then we be, we become uh, silent. And so mm-hmm. I think the the first thing it begins with knowing the word of God to know truth, to know right from wrong and to speak up. Uh, so that's, that's where I would say practically where it starts. And then, and then I think that we should reach out and help when we're able to in, in these other local settings to help uh, women who are in need.
0: Yeah. Now, what I personally would like to see, I think it's always good for, for individuals to write uh, Bible tracks as a means of, of creating conversation. And, you know, you can tailor, uh, tailor make some of these uh, tracks that have the gospel in it towards many of these issues. So, right. you know, you, you could frame the, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, and, and, and use that in In hand with with the uh, the issue of of uh, defending life and speaking out for for innocence, so there's some ideas there, and and I, I think too there's a lot of small batch type of work, you know, like you said, there's individuals, many members, you know, one body, and and the members, I, I've always noticed a lot of times you have squeaky wheels in in churches that like to complain at the leadership. And, and say, hey, you know, why aren't you guys doing uh, this, this, and that? In other words, why, why aren't you doing all the things that I think you should be doing that I will not invest my own time and energy in? And and I would I would say to people that throw their criticisms around loosely, if, if there is an opening and an opportunity to do something, quit complaining, roll up your sleeves, and do it. And, and I that, think people need right. to hear that. The, the one issue I wanted to ask you about is, what, what is your understanding scripturally about joining organizations that one, you know, let's say a, a Catholic organization that's pro-life and they're going to you know a Planned Parenthood and they're holding out signs and that type of thing. Is that something that you think is appropriate for a believer uh, and, a, and a Bible believer with sound doctrine? Do you think that's something that's appropriate to uh, uh, to, to join with organizations like that or is is there, uh, a limit to that and, and some caution that needs to be exercised when, with who you associate with.
1: Yeah, it's a really, that's a really good question. So I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, look, we have to be, we don't want to compromise on the doctrine. So I wouldn't be comfortable holding hands, but we're not going to use the argument that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And sure. let's just yeah. hold hands and sing Kumbaya and pretend like they're not, uh, in, in, in gross air, So, you know, for, for all of the, the only thing that the Catholic church actually gets right is, you know, um, Hey, that the, the child in the womb is a person. So, you know, kudos to them on that. There is a group of people out there that, that see the abortion issue for what it is. And they, they, um, um, they call for the immediate abolition of all abortion and i couldn't agree with them more on the abortion topic mm. but they're all post-millennial calvinists who are talking about bringing in the kingdom now and so i you know i just I, i'm not I, i'm not going to go hold hands with them and join up with them on doctrinal issues but right. what that doesn't mean that i can't take the truth and 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 do something myself uh, so i i don't think that we should compromise on the doctrine for social issues we preach no other doctrine. Let's keep the doctrine. Uh, Now, maybe we have the ability to, to witness to people. uh, But that doesn't mean that I'm going to go and join their organization. If you know what I mean.
0: Well, one other thing to to ask about then is uh, what would be in your mind, if there is such a thing going too far for a church as it, uh, when it comes to culture wars, what would, what would be going, what would be inappropriate or out of bounds of, of the purview of scripture as, as a church engages in, in culture wars? Yeah. So, you
1: know, again, another really good question. I think, I think the issue for us is that we need to preach the word and the, the instruction that we have as ambassadors for Christ, it is the, we, we should be about our father's business. And, uh, what the Lord Jesus Christ wants from us today is to, he wants souls to be saved and he wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. And, and for me, that is the goal. And you say, well, you might say, well, Brandon, but, but the issue of abortion, what does that have to do with people being saved and coming to the knowledge of the truth? For me, I'll share truth wherever I can share truth. And where the enemy is attacking God, I want to stand there as well. So, you know, um, I, I think that Genesis is under attack, right? God says that he made them male and female. So what do we have today? Gender confusion. God makes uh, man and woman for them to be in marriage. And so that's countered by homosexuality. He says to Adam to and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, right? And that's countered by abortion, right? I think that the issue of abortion is a spiritual issue. I think it is spiritual wickedness. I think it's all part of the, 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 the strategy of the devil um, to attack the things that God said are good. You know, children are a heritage of the Lord. They're a blessing, and what Satan is doing is attacking everything. I mean, they're made, uh, We're made in the image of God, and uh, so, anyways, um, I, I I do believe that this is a spiritual battle. So, well, when let's, I, let's, oh, I'm sorry. So when I when I look at you know the gospel and people coming to the knowledge of the truth, that's first and foremost. But then we can talk about how that truth relates to what's going on to, into society. But what goes too far? What goes too far is some ministries turn away from the doctrine and just become completely political and become completely social, right mm-hmm. social, social issues. That's, that's all they deal with. or I'm, I'm sure you've seen you know uh, these mega churches where they get up and it's just a psychology lesson and there's nothing from Scripture that's going on. So what would be going too far is we're not rooted in scripture. We're going to go out here and just talk about issues all of the time, but we're not talking about it from God's point of view. We're not talking about it being sin. We're not talking about trusting Christ and being saved from your sin. And we're going out and just being completely political about it. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with the church preaching on social issues, but the church should not become a social preaching organization, if that makes sense. We're to yep. be rooted in the, in the scripture. I talked to a man at our church last week and uh, um, you know, he comes, he comes from the the black community and he said, you know, Brandon, I was involved in the churches when they went social, right. When they went politically social. And he says, we don't ever want to go there. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, they quit preaching the, God's word. They quit standing on truth. And then they just went out and it became about social issues and it became about, you know, social injustice and all of these things. And that was about, I think, 15 years ago or something like that. So we're not talking about too long ago. Uh, and that's when a church goes too far. They've yeah. moved off of the purpose of what the church is there for. Now the church can speak to sin, but the church shouldn't just get out and become social because then you lose your footing, right? Then you just become every, you know, wind of doctrine, everything that's going on out there, you just kind of become completely reactionary and we shouldn't be
0: reactionary. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a matter of, of, of being unequally yoked. Not only that, too, I mean, on top of that, you, you're not going to raise money for social programs preaching the clarity of the gospel, <laughs> Ain't that and, the spe- truth, yeah. and especially, you know, so the gospel, yeah, it doesn't raise money from the world. And so you're going to have to compromise. And then you're also going to have to compromise on Paul's doctrine. And, uh, and so those, those things are um, almost um, just impossible to do because of just the nature of, of religious men and their antagonism towards the truth of God's word. Now, I want to jump on a, a matter that uh, you touched on a second ago. What light does Scripture give us as to what's behind issues like this, whether it's abortion? Whether it's uh, uh, homosexual, you know the the trans, trans activism, all all that stuff that you see in the world, you know the LGBT stuff and and all of that. What's behind this those issues and and why do people get so enraged when when you speak out against them, you speak contrary to them?
1: People get so enraged because they hate Christ. Proverbs chapter eight and verse thirty six says, "All they." that hate me, love death,
0: love death. So, yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Yeah. <laughs> and all of those that hate him, they love death. So when you hate the one that is the life, you're going to love death. And I, I don't believe that there's any neutrality on these spiritual matters. Right. You either love God or you hate him. And the majority out there, they love to hate him. (laughs) You, You have these people who are so enraged because spiritually speaking, they they want to be able to sin without consequence. Right. They want to be able to be sexually immoral. They want to to be able to do what they want it, it, it comes down to idolatry. It comes down to being of their father, the devil. So Satan, you know, he, what was his problem? Pride. He wanted to be worshiped. He wanted to do his own thing. He didn't want to be accountable to God. And uh, when I look out there and I see these people who are just yelling because they can't kill their children, right? <laughs> they're, not, they're not yelling and screaming because some grave injustice is done. They're yelling and screaming because they can't murder their child, right? I mean, they're they're literally acting like a three year old, right, in the grocery store, who can't get the candy in the aisle and uh, they need a spanking. And when I see them out there yelling, I I think these these people just need a spanking. But what's going on here is when you see that wickedness, when you see those people who are just yelling and 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 wanting to to do something wicked. It is the wickedness of their heart. It is truly um, sin, and they they get incensed by the fact of if they know that if there's consequences for their sin, then they're accountable to their Creator God, and they'll stand before Him in Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. And it's like the you know the whole Romans one and the the Romans right. two issue where they just you know they don't want to even acknowledge God. Just leave me alone. Let me be in my sin. And all of you stupid people out there are telling me that I can't murder my own child. You know, you, you don't know any better. And they hate it because there is light in that, right? There is right. light that that is life and it's wrong to do something. And they don't like to be reminded of that. So it's, it's spiritual warfare. Um, it's originated with Satan. And Satan is attacking those things which are good. God created creation to be good. He created it to be enjoyed by mankind, and when these people sin and kill their children and all of this sin that comes into the world and this wickedness, there's consequences for them. But, uh, you know, those Romans 1 and 2 people, they just want to be left alone. They hate the fact that there's going to stand before their creator God and be judged and condemned to eternal torment. They hate the standards of right and wrong because that appeals to their seared conscience, right? And it reaffirms that standard to them that there is a standard of right and wrong. So if they can get enough people to join in their vocal rebellion against God, then I think it comforts their seared conscience being in the in the in in the majority. So yeah. it's it's Satan's strategy, I think. Evil so, desires, imaginations
0: of men's heart. So all that good stuff. Three thoughts in response to that. One is, you mentioned Romans 1, verse 28 says, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, what does God do? Now, in the context here, he's, he's talking about what, what God does with, with the heathen and uh, with, with humanity here before he calls out Abraham. And, and, but uh, in short, it says he did, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind uh, to do those things which are not convenient. Why do people like to change the image of the uncorruptible God and, uh, and, and deify humanity and, and all the like? Like verse 23 says, well, because they have reprobate minds. And then the second thought is, well, men love darkness because, you know, rather than light because their deeds are evil. And the, the third thing that comes to mind with what you're talking about is now people need to be careful. Romans 1 is your liberal Democrat, and Romans 2 is your self righteous conservative. <laughs> and that's really not that far from the truth. I, I like that. I like that. You know, because the Romans 2 guy is pointing to the Romans 1 guy and saying, see, well, I'm not like him. I'm moral. I'm righteous. And it's a righteousness. It's a self-righteousness. And it's a, it's a self, uh, self-righteous morality that, uh, that comes from wicked hearts of men. It's not the righteousness of God. And so they kind of thumb, both parties are thumbing their nose at, at God's righteous judgment. And, you know, you read the end of Romans 1. I mean, this is everybody, but uh, Romans 1, verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection. And by the way, that the issue that we're talking about could be put under that umbrella um, if you wanted to. If you talk about abortion, uh, it's without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, and, and on it goes. Who knowing the judgment of God that they would commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And I think about all the people that come out and, uh, and talk about the issues such as abortion. Or It's interesting how they, they always change the terminology. It's not murder, it's abortion. Right. Actually, it's not abortion. It's it's pro-choice. And it's and yeah. it's not a baby. It's a
1: fetus. It's we have a fetus. To, we, we have to dehumanize it. Right. It's yes. not it's not really a person. It's a fetus. Right.
0: And, and I, I uh, you know, that's why it's it's interesting to watch when you see the language change. You know, that's really goes back to Genesis three. We're going to we're going to shift, you know, the blame. And we're going to we're, we're going to recategorize certain things. We're not going to call it what it is. Uh, we're right. going to label it differently to make it more yeah. palatable. And that's how people uh, cope with sin. I mean, those are sinful responses yeah. that, uh, that we develop quite naturally just to, yeah. uh, to get around the conviction of God's yeah. word. But, you know, these are the verses. I would, I would go as far as to say, and I don't think this is a crazy thought, the, the most powerful thing you can do against issues like the, uh, this. And, and if you want to stand up as a ministry and be counterculture, if you, if you will, you know, go against the, the course of this world. Uh, the most radical thing you can do is simply preach the gospel, that's right. and 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 preach it according to uh, uh, what God revealed to the Apostle Paul. You know, you take Romans one to five, and that's the only and, thing that will change the wicked heart. Oh, correct, right? And 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 see, that's the light needs to shine in in those hearts. And uh, people loved us enough to share that message with us, and and that's the other thing too. We don't say these things. I you know, there's I I know there's a there is perhaps someone's listening to this thinking, "Man, this is a really harsh tone." Uh, you know, these guys kind of the cynicism and the uh, maybe there's some harshness, but it's not. It's. I not thought said. we've been pretty positive. I thought we've been very yeah. <laughs> I very thought we've been pretty positive charming, myself. <laughs> charming and and if uh, only people could see the video, uh, you know, just just delightful, but. Uh, it's not said from a, a standpoint of just you know, hey, the world is horrible and uh, and and we we've, we've got the truth and aren't we wonderful? No, no. If if you love someone, if you truly love them, amen. Share right. the gospel with them. That's right. What, and uh, what, it's uh-huh. it's not it's not
1: convenient for us to go stand outside and tell and plead with people not to murder their child. I mean, it it is gut wrenching to talk about this subject. I mean, the mm-hmm. murder, the murdering of innocent children. I mean, it's not pleasant. It's, it's not, it's not like we do this for fun. Right. Right. We talk about this issue out of, there's a motivation out of love. So I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. We care about, we care about the unborn child and we care about the souls of those who would be disposed to, um, to, to, to murder their children that, that, Hey, there's, there's a, there's a lack of love right there. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they need to know that uh, that uh, there's a savior um, who loves them and, uh, and is there um, they need yeah. to hear the gospel. They, they, they need a They need a change.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, for, for those who uh, you know, who stand up for, for innocence, uh, shame on you. If you don't take opportunities to preach the gospel to those lives that uh, if they're spared, uh, they need to hear the gospel. Spirit, spiritual life is not hereditary. The, the parents need to hear it and the children need to hear it. The grace of God will do its work if you make it known. That's what we're called to do is and, and be faithful in. And we've been entrusted with the gospel. So that is that is the number one priority here. Um, that's right. It's, it's, it's only it.
1: the word of God that's going to work, right? It's yeah. not. It's not us out there with our clever words or any clever arguments that we're trying to use to to change people. It is what my desire to do is to bring the truth of God into conflict with an evil world.
0: Yeah, if you want to be a radical, you know. Yeah. Believe the Bible. It's pretty cool. Hey, before uh, you change
1: subjects, let me yeah. get one let me get one dig in at the Calvinists. Okay, go uh, for it. They're not, pro that, choice. Right? they're not pro-choice
0: they're not pro-choice no no <laughs> <laughs> they're the least
1: pro-choice people in the world <laughs> <laughs> um, you said you made you you read there in Romans 1 uh, about them being inventors of uh, you know they're inventors of of evil things mm-hmm. well I mean that's ex- that's exactly true it's it's invented in the wickedness of the heart of men Back in Jeremiah chapter 32, when they're offering their children as a sacrifice to Molech and putting them through the fire, when they built the high places to Baal, it says that um, when, when God says, I'm so angry with you, that this abomination that you're causing your sons and your daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, he says, which I commanded them not Neither came it into my mind Mm -hmm. that they should do such an abomination. Now, Calvinism says that everything before the world was ordained under God's glory, that God Mm -hmm. ordained. Well, depending upon which flavor of Calvinist you are, but if you're a consistent Calvinist, like a John Piper, who believes Mm -hmm. that every molecule was preordained of God, then what do you do with that? God says this wickedness that you're doing, it never entered my mind that you would do such a thing. But now you're out there doing it like I didn't I didn't I didn't predestine you to do this wickedness. I mean, this is the choice of men and it is the wickedness of their heart. God didn't command them to do it. He hates sin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Calvinism is a is a wicked doctrine. Yeah. And uh, it's just, you know, no getting around it.
1: You you have that uh, James White, who's a Calvinist, who was on uh, some show and some guy was trying to hold, hold his feet to the fire to force him to give a consistent Calvinist response about the child being murdered in the womb and that being predestined by God. And he tried to skirt the answer like three times, not giving a direct answer. And finally, on like the fourth or fifth time, the host of the show said, hey, James, can you please give a direct response? And he's like, yes, God predestined that for his glory.
0: Right. That's kind of the view that everything has a purpose.
1: Right. Because if God didn't yeah. predestine it, then sin would have no purpose and what a miserable world that would be. Right. So God caused it to happen. But but that that is really wicked. That is really wicked to say yeah. that God God did this and God predestined it and God caused it. And that that all oh, that you know that attacks the character of God. Yeah, absolutely, and and I and, and it really angers me. But anyways, yeah. will, that, that, will that will that that one go on? on, on so, that point? so how about the Mormons? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't get me started on those uh, those Seventh Day guys. Okay, well let's this would be a good time to <laughs> this would be a good time to move on. See, we can we can joke around. We can be lighthearted. It's, uh um, this is intense. No, but you know, you can't talk about an issue like this with without uh, a sense of gravity and seriousness. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's appropriate. But um, I want to I want to move on with some of the questions here. And yeah um, uh, this oh, you've is got, you've got more than one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you <laughs> know how I like some prog-
1: to... we should make some
0: progress you, here. I guess you so. know how I like to do. Um, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard. Take one and uh, run with it. Yeah, that's exactly. That's it's just it's just a uh, commitment. I have commitment issues, I guess.